0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we live. We live. we live. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm Doug Branson, glad to be with you. No Walker mail today to help me recap the weekend, but that's okay. He's enjoying his holiday. He's going to be back with you on a Thursday. Quick programming note no show tomorrow, no show on Christmas Day, but we will be back on Thursday. The Hornets getting some rest. They don't play again until Friday against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So we decided we're going to take two days uh, to celebrate the holidays, and hopefully you have an opportunity to do the same with your friends and family. Okay. We've got a lot to get to. This was a weekend, uh, two games against two really good teams. And uh, they were two teams that really exposed weaknesses that the Hornets have on both ends of the floor. And that's what good teams are going to do at this point in the season. The Hornets were able to sneak up on a few of these good teams earlier in the year because of injuries because of disorganization that tends to happen at the beginning of the season but now teams like utah teams like boston they are getting into a groove and you saw the hornets take two big losses to utah 114 to 107 not a huge score but the second half was such a difference for the utah jazz who were able to score 58 in that half uh, as opposed to the hornets who only managed 43 So the Hornets had a really good first half, bad second half, kind of the same story against Boston. They lose this one even bigger, 119 to 93 in Boston. Again, Boston's one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. You kind of felt this kind of loss coming, but at the same time, you really wanted to see the Hornets offense be a little bit more dynamic. You wanted to see them be a little bit more physical on uh, the boards, even though uh, both Marvin Williams and James Borrego would point out in that Boston game, yeah, you'd love to see some more physicality, but when you miss as many shots as the Hornets did in the second through fourth quarters, the other team's going to beat you on the boards. I mean, there's not much you can do in that period when Devontae Graham in the second through the fourth goes one of 10 from uh, beyond the arc. Uh, there's going to be a lot of rebounding opportunities for him. Miles Bridges, two of nine, I believe, in that same period. After a really hot start in that first quarter, I mean, they came out blazing hot. Devontae Graham, I believe, had five threes in the first quarter. He started five of six from outside, uh, but then just completely lost it. And when you're a team that lives by the three and dies by the three, which is what the Hornets are, I mean, let's just be honest. And the, the way these teams, you look at both uh, Utah and boston they were able to sort of unlock and figure out what the hornets wanted to do especially in the pick and roll and and they were letting Devonte graham have pull up threes and he just wasn't knocking them down that was unfortunate for the hornets um, but they were disrupting a lot of what the hornets wanted to do in terms of getting to the rim working inside out utah let the Hornets get to the rim, but when you have Rudy Gobert, he influences so much, and he was influencing shots from three as well. I mean, that's you know why he's one of the better defenders uh, in the NBA. He can really he can really help you out at, at any point uh, on defense. But Utah was forcing the Hornets to take a lot of mid range shots. I was looking these stats up on cleaning the glass. The Hornets uh, in the Utah game were shooting 31% of their shots from mid-range. And that's too high. You compare that to Utah, who took 22% of their shots from mid-range and so much of their offense was coming from three and and they were knocking them down. Credit to Utah. Uh, they were they were red hot from three, 50% on the night, 17 made threes. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, four of nine. Royce O'Neal, two of five. Joe Ingles, four of eight, got open in the corner and knocked it down. And Emmanuel Moutier, a guy that is shooting better from three. He's really improved his three-point shots. And then Niang, again, they were getting inside and kicking it back out to the corner. Nobody there. Niang, three of three from beyond the arc. So too many three-point shots for the Utah Jazz, and they were denying the Hornets good looks at three. Devontae Graham, five made threes, but on 13 three-point attempts. So many of his attempts coming from outside. Uh, Terry Rozier, doing more to get inside. He was 11 of 24 on the night, two of six from outside. Uh, But this one against Utah really broke down in the second half when they were unable to defend uh, what Utah was doing. Uh, But against Boston, Boston just completely cut off the rim for the Hornets, and it turned into a three-point shooting contest that the Hornets were not prepared to win, and they couldn't defend jason tatum 15 of 29 from the field four of nine from three he was getting mismatches on smaller guards and just completely taking advantage i think back to that one euro step that he put on i mean this guy is just a monster 39 points you try to limit what he can do but ultimately jason tatum is a star in this league 39 points 12 rebounds two assists three blocks in this game that's just what a good player does kimba walker by the way you remember that guy 8 of 16 from the field, 5 of 11 from 3. He ends up with a good night. Slow start. The Hornets were able to defend him well early, uh, but he just sort of poured it on as the night went on, and uh, the Boston Celtics come away with the win. They didn't have much to offer on their bench. I mean, it was all the starters, and they have good starters. Jason Tatum, 39. Kimba Walker, 23. Jalen Brown, 16. Meanwhile, the Hornets, again, second through the fourth quarter could not hit a shot and you're this is a jump shooting team I mean there's not a team that can impose its will at the rim and when they're forced to take mid-range shots uh, they they're going to be in a bad position and they're not getting to the foul line very much so in this one uh, there were 23 attempts that's pretty good uh, 17 to 23 from the line and against Utah they ended up going 17 of 22 so not bad in terms of attempts from the line Cody Zeller A large majority of that with nine free throw attempts. Terry Rozier getting inside. You like to see that. Uh, But overall, two tough losses to two good teams. You're competitive at least in the first half and in the first quarter of those two games. So that's a bright spot to take away. Uh, But this team is, you know, they're just outclassed by some of these better teams. And I think you saw it against them. All right, we're going to come back. I'm going to tell you two things that I'm not in love with. Plus, in the third segment... Uh, I want to get to some holiday takeaways, some things that I'm seeing, some things that I'm feeling about this team as we enter uh, this Christmas break. A four day break for the Charlotte Hornets, who will get to rest their legs. They played a lot of games, by the way. We'll talk about that. Uh, Stick with us. Locked on Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. This is Locked On Hornets decoys all over the place they've got everybody down at the rim ball goes into biz they do like an xfl style where the wide receiver runs to the line of scrimmage except it's with Devonte graham he picks up a foul i don't care what you say nate mcmillan more like nate mcvillan get out of here quit whining about the officials you got plenty of calls the hornets got a call at the end of the game i thought it was fair hornets win it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast Welcome back to the Locked On Hornets Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Doug Branson. You can follow me on Twitter at Doug Branson L O H. And you can follow more NBA news and analysis on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan, hosted by Stats Savants, John Hollinger, and Nate Duncan. That drops every Monday. And then rejecting the screen with Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov, a couple of other smart basketball people. And they have great guests on their show as well. So you want to check that out, Rejecting the Screen and Hollinger and Duncan. A few gifts for you during this holiday season. I hope you're having a happy one. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Holidays in general. This is a wonderful time to get and to receive and give gifts. And the Hornets have received a few gifts in the form of young players developing and showing that, hey, they may have what it takes to be an anchor, to be a pillar for a potential future Charlotte Hornets playoff team. One of those being Devontae Graham, who is lighting it up from three. And listen, I wouldn't be, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about his two-point percentage, his inability to get to the line, different things like that. I wouldn't worry too much because it's really difficult, I think, to adjust to that kind of thing In season. Now he's got four days. Hopefully he's resting, getting those legs back under him. I think that's part of the problem. You know, you go one of ten. He had open jump shots against Boston and just didn't knock them down. The Hornets have played a lot of games. They're sweating. They're hurting. They don't have PJ Washington. I'm not in love with that because PJ was playing so well and he was an outlet. He was a way to get a shot going where you didn't have to have Devontae Graham taking 10 threes between the second and fourth quarter of that game. So there are, there are a couple of things that I'm not in love with as we look towards 2020 as we get prepared for the second half of this NBA season and uh, you know living by the three and dying by the three I'm not in love with that I wish the Hornets could do some things to generate some offense get more aggressive about getting to the rim even if you fail I mean, even if even if you don't get to the line, if the calls aren't going your way, I just want to see more aggressiveness. From I'm seeing it now from Miles Bridges. I was a, a big critic of Miles um, earlier, I believe, early last week or the week before, because I didn't feel like he was, you know, just putting his head down, using his ability to get to the rim, and he's doing that. He's doing that more now. I'm seeing that he has a willingness to go in there and finish. You saw his minutes diminish. And then James Borrego saying that partly because of his defensive effort. His minutes have increased over the past two games, so maybe he's starting to figure some stuff out there. I like that. One thing I don't like, though, that I'm not in love with, with Miles Bridges, is when he cuts across the lane. He cuts across the nail and doesn't really understand exactly what he wants to do. And what ends up happening a lot of times is that he bails on it because, the you know, he's going up against stronger defenders. In this case, in, in Boston, oftentimes it was Jalen Brown. And and those guys aren't going to let you by. And Miles is, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that, like, strength. You know, he has athleticism. He has length. He has uh, great jumping ability. And and he's quick on his first step for his position. But I wouldn't say that strength, like just putting a shoulder into a guy and moving him off his spot, is something that's particularly Uh, good for Miles Bridges, and so you've seen him get stopped by bigger, stronger defenders like a Jalen Brown. And so he passes out, and a lot of times it ends up as a turnover because the defense can sniff those kind of things out at this level, or he's putting up this little baby hook, and that hook is not going in. I mean, it's just not an effective shot for Miles Bridges. So I don't love, whenever he cuts across the lane, uh, I'm, I'm cringing. My body is seizing up. I'm feeling like it's not going to be good for the basketball team, so those are a couple of things I'm not in love with as we as we look at this season. I'm not in love with PJ Washington still being out. Hopefully, he's able to recover quickly and we see him after this Christmas break. I, I'm not certain it's going to be against Oklahoma City, but hopefully, soon after that, he's able, uh, you know, to to overcome this fractured pinky finger. This little piggy needs to come home. He needs to play again. Because this Hornets team could really use a player that's going to be active on offense. You saw the Hornets turn to Nick Batum in the starting lineup after going with the two-center lineup while Nick Batum was out. They had Cody Zeller at power forward, Bismack Biyombo at center. That was um, interesting for sure. I mean, that's going to really stifle your ability to spread the floor and and hurt your ability to get to the rim. Perfectly, to be perfectly honest, I mean it. It helps you in in put back opportunities. So maybe you you know offset that a little bit. Maybe you make some of that back. Um, but it's going to be really tough for Demonte Graham or Jerry Rozier to really do anything except for find opportunities through high pick and rolls and pull up jump shots off cuts to to generate any offense because it's so clogged down there in the lane. So they go away from the two center lineup. And they insert Nick Batum to put Miles Bridges at four and Bismack Biombo at center. Nick Batum, two of four from the field in both of these games, he's just not out there to play, to, to shoot. I mean, he's going to be out there to facilitate others and play defense. I mean, he's going to be a primary wing defender. It takes a little bit of pressure off of Miles Bridges to have to defend the best player on the other side. And you didn't necessarily see that give you benefits for Miles Bridges offensively, um, but you did see him be more aggressive towards the rim. So maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know, but certainly I think the Hornets would be better off short-term and long-term with P.J. Washington in at power forward. So, you know, if you're P.J. Washington right now, you're feeling really good. You're looking at this situation and going, okay, one of four in the last five games, they haven't, Drastically improved. I'm not going to get Dwayne Bacon here. It's not this situation. Nobody is outplaying me right now at that position. Certainly not Miles Bridges. Certainly not Nick Batum. This team needs me out there, and my spot is comfortably ready for me when I'm comfortably ready to go back out onto the floor. Uh, Okay, last segment coming up. I want to look at the numbers from the last five games, give you some takeaways as the Hornets take a break and rest up, get ready, hopefully play a few less games. I mean, their schedule has been jam-packed. Uh, so they they get a much-needed rest, a little practice, a little holidays, a little grub, a little R&R, and we'll be right back to talk about the last five games and what it means. You're listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Hornets. I love leftovers, by the way. Huge leftover guy. Oh, man, dinner, dinner for lunch. I love that. Leftover dinner, swing it into a lunch, maybe even to a breakfast if you're feeling goosy. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. My Christmas wish for you is that you have plenty of time to watch basketball on Christmas. We've got some huge games coming up. Boston at Toronto. How is Toronto doing this? I mean, they fought through injuries. They're still playing really well. That huge comeback win the other night. My goodness. You've got Milwaukee against Philadelphia. That should be very interesting. Houston and Golden State. That should not be very interesting. Oops. Los Angeles Clippers at the Los Angeles Lakers. A lot of storylines there. Everyone's healthy. You've got one team that is load management heavy and one team that says forget load management. You've got that little bit of a cool conflict there. Plus, you're going to get some awesome basketball and then closing it out with New Orleans and Denver. Denver toppling the Los Angeles Lakers big time uh, the other night. So um, a lot of great basketball. Make sure to tune in to Locked on NBA for... Previews of those games and then the recaps once everything is done Uh, the Hornets over the last five games I wanted to just take a look at some quick stats uh, to give you an idea of uh, what's going on with this team so the Hornets one and four over that span Terry Rozier over the last five has really come on and and been a particularly productive offensive player 35% it's not been terribly efficient but neither is Devontae Graham right now shooting 35% from the field, 32.4% from three on seven attempts. He's generating a majority of the offense, but really if you put Rozier and Graham together, that's the offense. You've got Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo being efficient, but not high usage players, getting a lot of their stuff off offensive rebounds. They're scoring right now 14 points a game for Cody Zeller. He's been a great uh, player off the bench for the Hornets. And then Biz Biyombo, biombo nine points on 55% shooting from the field. I've just been really impressed with Biz just in terms of his effort, his physicality. And uh, although in those last two games, I felt like his catching the ball ability had regressed a little bit, I think generally over the season, he has proved himself to be a more than competent offensive player. He's even, along with Cody Zeller, generating almost two assists per game. So Cody Zeller, 1.6 assists. Same for Bismack Biombo over these last five games. So they even have a little bit of an ability to move the basketball. So that's been, uh, that's been impressive. But you're not getting much shot blocking from really anyone on this team right now. Uh, over the last five games, Bismack, Cody Zeller, Uh, averaging under a block a game and then marvin williams though averaging a block a game but this is just not a team that's going to defend the rim in that way they're trying to keep you out of the paint and sometimes they're successful oftentimes uh they are not although you know not many points in the paint for utah because they were splashing three-point shots everywhere so it's one way to keep a team out of the paint let them shoot threes and you know they might make those threes so the Hornets right now are really struggling because Devontae Graham is struggling. Over the last five games, he's averaging 16 points per game, but it's on 26.1% from the field and 33% from beyond the arc. Uh, the turnovers are down, though, across the board. Devontae only averaging 2.2 turnovers. You uh, pair that with 6.8 assists. That's a really good assist-to-turnover ratio. Terry Rozier, 3.6 assists per game over the last five and two turnovers per game, so they are reducing. They're not beating themselves. They just ran into two teams in Utah and Boston that were able. Yeah, look, you don't you don't have to beat yourself. We'll take care of it because we have you know monsters at uh, various positions that we can throw your way, and you really can't do much about it. Uh, so that's going to be the story on the Hornets. You know, they, 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 I don't think they're going to beat very many good teams this season unless. There are injury factors, unless there are rest factors, the Hornets might find some advantages there, but they just, they simply don't have the, they don't have the talent. Number one, but they also have some, some bad inefficiencies at certain things in terms of physicality, in terms of rebounding, in terms of transition offense and transition defense. They've had real problems this season in both of those areas. And you love their resiliency. You love their fight. You love a lot of the hustle that's coming out of both uh, really Devonte Graham, Terry Rozier, um, Cody Zeller, Bismack Biombo, Cody Martin. I mean, this is a feisty team, right? That's a good thing. That's a fun thing. They're a fun watch. Bill Simmons in his interview with Zach Lowe uh, credited the Hornets as one of his like teams that's sort of bad, but also sort of fun to watch on Lake Pass. So that's a positive direction long term for this Charlotte Hornets team, but short term It's going to mean that the losses are probably going to pile up at some point, especially in the back half of their schedule. And it starts in January, really, when they start playing a lot better competition. And uh, they're going to play a lot of games in February as well. So um, I hate to leave it on that sour note, but I'll say this. This is a youth movement. This is about the long-term, right? Got to keep our eyes focused on the long-term. I think it's going to be a fun 2020 of basketball if the Hornets, if Devontae Graham can figure it out from two, if Miles Bridges can figure it out on the defensive end, if P.J. Washington can come back and give them a little rookie lift. Again, we're not going to be on tomorrow. We're out Christmas Day. Enjoy your holiday. We're back on Thursday. Until then, go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.